Welcome back, everybody, to Top Shelf, a guide to high-quality leadership, spirits, and everything in between. Hey, I'm your host once again, Jason Kraus, and with me, as always, my compadre, my pop, my number two, <laughs> your your partner in crime. I know that's what you're gonna say. Yeah, so, uh, I do want to say. You're my number two, but, you know, maybe. Who does number two work for? He does work for me. <laughs> That's very uh, topical, actually. Uh, good. Um, today, I just want to start something light, uh, just current event to kick it off for everybody. Uh, Canada's uh, first World Cup in 36 years. Unfortunately, uh, losing to Belgium, one nothing. Clint, I don't really follow soccer all that much, but... Um, you know there is some national pride within me, and and I wanted to follow that. So, you, what do you? What's your take on it? I'm well. I'm glad you brought it up. I, I mean, I I'm not a soccer player either. I've never really been a huge fan of soccer from my club level or like from like I like the sport. I think it's a decent sport. Decent enough. It's the number one sport in the world. So obviously, it's it's obviously a great sport. Um, but I just never grew up playing it. But when Canada's in anything, it could be badminton, it could be chess. I'm, I'm, I got my red shirt on, and I'm, I'm waking up. I'm recording the game. I'm doing whatever I need to, so I can watch Joe, it and cheer. Joe, Joe, Joe Homer, right there, just <laughs> Joe Homer. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, national pride. Uh, no, I totally um, appreciate it. I, and uh, just a blurb from the um, uh, Belgian coach uh, mentioned that. Canada outplayed uh, his team uh, throughout the game, and um, just the result uh, should have been a lot better for us, I, I guess, I assume. Um, and we did miss a, a, a free kick or a, whatever we want to call it, a penalty kick. Um, but, uh, you know, we got on order to tomorrow and we're playing uh, Croatia. Yeah, it's going to be a tough match. Um, I watched the last half of the game today, and it looked like Canada was the far better team from what I could tell, and they just had a hard time finishing. There was lots of opportunities there they just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net so um croatia's probably i think from what i've heard they're older team than belgium uh they're not as highly ranked but uh if canada plays as well as they did against uh, belgium today they're going to do very well against croatia all right sounds good so switching gears everybody just kind of now into the the leadership and <clears throat> i wanted to start off uh today's leadership you know, discussion is around um, what we like to call shadow groups. Um, well, you know, what what are shadow groups um, within an organization? Um, and I wanted to share how you uh, work with them, how to identify when there are shadow groups, and uh, openly discuss um, some shadow groups that I have been part of uh, within some organizations. Um, as you know, Clint is part of one of my shadow groups, and and just you know the impacts to the overall business and 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 you know ultimately um how to work within it and maybe even how to understand um situationally where you fit in um so what is a shadow uh, group um it's a group within the new organization that are influencers they are kind of in the in behind the scenes they may not um present themselves as uh, alternative leaders, but they have the ear or um, the um, support of the leader quietly um, in the back rooms or back offices. You'll see some of these um, shadow groups within large organizations. They're, they're in most um, organizations uh, or companies where there is that connection. 
Um, and that that falls back to relationships. Um, it falls back to you know their abilities to work within. Um, they might be systematic experts. They may just be popular with that leader. Um, it may not be fair. Um, they may not have the associated skill sets, but they are um, they're influencers. They're able to make change. They're also able to do uh, change decisions from that leader because that leader puts a lot of trust in those people. And um, it, it, it's it's their opinions that matter to that leader. So if you're a new person entering an organization and you're trying to make a name for yourself, what you want to really do is just watch closely body language. Um, in when you're in meetings, there, there may be signs of bravado from some of the uh, individuals. Um, they, they may think they are superior, the untouchable um, sense to themselves so you almost want to trace it out uh, you know keep be mindful of who in the organization kind of works their way up and Clint maybe if you can chime in a little bit here about you know some of the impacts you've seen from the, the type of shadow group where you, you're seeing that bravado that hey I'm I'm, I'm untouchable and well yeah I've seen both right I mean you know there's the bravado the 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 folks that aren't afraid to let you know that they do have the ear of the leader or the owner of the company or I went for lunch with the, the VP the other day and we have a weekly, you know, a touch base and um, and they're not shy about that. And I, I think that can be scary for some people because then you're like, wow, I need to walk on eggshells around this person. I'm not I'm not sure I can be myself around this person. Yeah. Um, and then there's the opposite. The opposite end is you don't know whether or not this person's within that shadow group. Um, maybe they have a long tenure with the organization or they have a, they are the subject matter expert. Um, and then you're, you're also afraid to say anything because you're like, well, wait a sec, you know, do I trust this person? Um, you know, are, are they going to be somebody that has my back when, when confronted with, with just having my back when confronted uh, with something like, you know, bringing forth an idea or um, you know, a process change, something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. And, and you're not knowing, they're not knowing who has the, um, the pole or the control um, of the leader. Um, and, and maybe that leader might be a little bit weaker um, and, and leans on those, those, that shadow group more than he should to make those decisions. Um, it, it can negatively impact um, how you deliver um, the, the potential for growth within the organization. And, um, you know, potentially uh, his evolution or the group's evolution um, to learn and, and expand uh, internally. You know, when you first brought this forth to me as an idea of something that we just discussed on the podcast tonight, I was a little unsure. I thought, hey, you know, like maybe is this a is this a subject that is really relevant? And the more I thought about it, it was like, yeah, like there's shadow groups everywhere. And I think the people that are listening right now, they're probably going through that thought process, like like who's the shadow group in my company? Or mm -hmm. think about my previous role at my previous job. Have I been a part of a shadow group? Have I see have I been on the sidelines of a shadow group? Um, both places could be um, familiar, but also both places could could be eerily like uh, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, and, and part of our shadow group, um, you know, I'd mentioned was, you know, we um, would we take AI meetings 
and uh, with our internal shadow group and we would make decisions um, we would prepare for meetings uh, ahead of time so that we right or wrong we would have the decisions already pre-made before we went into meetings with, with with the rest of our team because there was that level of trust within that shadow group um, so yeah we knew, we knew which way we wanted to go right and you have to imagine you know it comes to me it comes back to this old saying of um, my too too close yeah, too yeah. far too get far from there. the mic yeah get in there I'm terrible with this thing I gotta really get uh, comfortable here no but you know when when the corporation comes down and says hey we have this guideline and we need you to you know message it to the team it, it's that um, that tight loose approach right so you're tight on the message which means at the end of the day we're going this way this is the way the ship's sailing we're heading over to the, the new americas and we're going to discover america yeah, yeah. no matter what your team says but loose on your execution so leave it up to yourself to be able to put your own spin and interpretation on it because as a leader you know your team you know what you need to say to get them engaged in the in the new process or idea or whatever um, and you're right. A lot of those decisions are done at a shadow group level, which I think is um, important. So. Yeah, and it, could, and it could almost be a little bit unfair if we were making those decisions um, offsite. And, and so when we bring the team together and we want us to be agnostic and unbiased, in all reality, we've already made the decision. And so we're not hearing the voice of the of the group. But if the group also understands and if you're on the outside looking in, you can you can establish uh, yourself within that group or um, identify how the group functions and so maybe before that group breaks off and does something you can you can have a discussion with you know a leader or someone that has the the ear of the leader to um, get your point across or put your idea up front yeah sorry so i think we need to make it clear for the folks listening that this is um, the negative side of shadow groups, mm -hmm. right? Coming into yeah, a meeting yeah. with your team and already having a, yeah. you know, a, a position on where you want it to end is obviously not the, the right thing in a lot of situations. Mm -hmm. You want to engage your team. You want them to give you ideas. You want to innovate. All those great things um, that drives engagement, right? Yep. If, if, if every single time you're having a team meeting and no matter what they say, the end result is what you want them to think or feel, you're going to end up with a uh, a pretty disengaged work group right so yeah. um so just so we're clear to everybody listening in that's the negative, the negative side, side of shadow groups yeah. absolutely but the the positive side of it is you know you're able to um have additional voices additional ideas additional concepts um and um leverage different types of leadership to formulate a plan or a decision, um, not just based solely upon one person's uh, view or point of view. For sure, yeah. And I think it's also important to mention that, you know, our employees are smart, right? That's why we hired them, that's why they're there. Um, they can read through it. Most of them know, like, okay, you were talking about the AI meetings, not artificial intelligence. We'll, we'll go down that road another time, but we would have this, you know, once a month meeting and people knew, people knew that this was a select group and we would bring a few folks in, you know, periodically, we'd have guests join us, yep. yeah, but, yeah. but everyone knew what was going on. And, you know, with the, our, the last role that you and I both shared at, at, a, at a certain company, we knew who the shadow group was and yeah. some of them we weren't a part of or privy to and some of them we were. And, and you know, so, like we were talking about earlier, 
you're either on the good side of it or the bad side. And of course, our AI side was good, and then the other side was bad. And yeah. so we saw both sides. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, sometimes it's and it's it can be prideful too if you're on the outside looking in um, um, and just seeing uh, and watching the watching the posturing, um, but. You have to set a plan forward to be able to execute and, and try to work within it or join it or be part of that uh, shadow plan or, um, you know, find your place um, and just accept the fact that that's where you'll be. And, and but you could still have channels into that shadow group. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It, sometimes it feels like you're swimming upstream and is it worth the fight to get in maybe maybe but you know in the long term you were talking about short term versus long term results here and and in the long term things change uh, people move on shadow groups dissolve new shadow groups are formed and you you have to pick whether or not that's that's a shadow group you want to be a part of and if so then then maybe it's worth fighting for right so yeah. Okay, we're going to kind of put a pin in that, wrap it up. Um, I think that was uh, a good discussion. Um, if people have issues or, you know, they're concerned about a shadow group that uh, they're working within, they just they don't know how to work within it or have questions, uh, hit us up on uh, our Twitter feed or um, uh, we'll set up an email account at some point as well. Um, going to shift gears. I'm going to move, kind of change it a little bit into... Um, a leadership or a a, a concept um, here that it can impact that does impact everybody, um, and it gets started at an early age, um, taking shortcuts and the impacts of taking shortcuts, <clears throat> and um, you know why do we mentally um, decide to take shortcuts and and what potentially are the impacts um, both negative and positive because there are positive there's there is positives positives to taking shortcuts <clears throat> but far more negatives when when we're talking shortcuts um, you know it, it it's ingrained it can be instinctive and ingrained uh, in our mindsets um, to to save time and that could be that could start off as a young age. Um, if I, if I um, want to race to the finish line, but if I go around th a different path and it's a lot shorter, I'm going to take that path because that's the fastest way to get from point A to point B. Um, you may miss all the hurdles, you may miss all the jumps along the way, but it was the fastest way. And in theory, you won, um, but you never learned all the different steps along the way. Um, you know, Clint, what, what's your take on? You know, taking shortcuts and, um, you know, a little bit of insight into, you know, it, both negative and positive to, to shortcuts. Well, I think you hit it, the nail on the head there. If, you, if you're taking a shortcut, you're not learning all the steps along the way. So that's really going to impact. And I know I'm going to sound like... Um, I'm brown nosing a little bit here, but <laughs> Susie Homemaker. Yeah, but it, it's going to impact if, if I'm running my own company and I have employees taking shortcuts that impacts quality, right? If you have employees that are doing physical work that impacts safety, right? Um, which obviously impacts financials. It, so at the end of the day, are we sacrificing quality and safety for production? And if that's the case, that's a bad business model. I mean, you might get short-term gain out of that, just like you winning your race. But in the long term, that's just not a good business model that I would follow. So yeah, you're not picking up the skills um, to to be a long term at the you know when we're, cut, we're making those shortcuts. And you know, a shortcut does save effort and energy. Um, it can provide that quick um, win, that dopamine hit. Um, but 
does it serve you for the long term? And uh, I think that's that's a, a big negative from a, a growth and learning perspective, um, you know, and it can trick ourselves um, to doing more and more shortcuts. And then we start to become careless. And um, when we're when we're doing really well and we're getting those wins in those shortcut, we just feel as though we'll never make an error or we'll never make a mistake. But the emphasis needs to be on, you know, our quality, our 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 competency in our growth, um, the mindset. If, if we continue to make those shortcuts, we actually can introduce, um, if you're working in a certain field that uh, impacts people, could impact safety in a, uh, in a negative light. Um, and if we uh, take a shortcut in safety, um, it could lead to a tragedy. Um, it could lead to death. And I think that's important also when we start talking about shortcuts. Um, you know, identifying Maybe those little shortcuts, you know, in life versus the, the long-term ones. Well, it's like you said, Jay, it's, it's something that you're, you learn at a young age. But if we translate that into business, it's something that's taught at the beginning or the onset of your career. Yeah. Um, yeah. No matter what industry you're in, if you're trained and you're mentored by somebody that takes shortcuts, generally you're going to pick up those shortcuts as well. That's well, this is how it's done. Whether you're a doctor or you're you know you're in a leadership role within construction, um, I, my analogy always has been that people are like electricity. Um, we 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 take the least least path to of resistance, resistance. Yeah. and. You know, it, unless we have those skill sets and that training and those, you know, like we talked about last week, KPIs and clear goal setting, if you don't have that, you're going to take the shortest um, path of resistance to get that end result. Um, and unfortunately, again, that leads to poor quality, uh, leads to bad customer relations, um, it leads to less contracts being won. Short term, good, long term, not so good. Yeah, but how do you impact it when there's pressure? You know, pressure pushes you as a worker, as a leader to to essentially take some of those shortcuts. Hey, you might have to work this weekend um, if you don't get that work done and you've got t concert tickets or you want to go to the bar with some of your with some of the boys. Um, they almost pushes you. So la almost a lack of planning, maybe. That's, but the, well, the pressure it. does push you. So. If you ask anybody, if I went onto a job site right now and there was guys in the manhole and they weren't ventilating properly and I shut the job site down, they would say, well, we got to hit our KPIs and our boss is on us and he told us we're going to have to work late tonight. That shouldn't be their problem, right? That's the number one excuse, but yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a process problem. That is something that needs to be fixed on the back end. That's when innovation comes in. How do we make, the, make it so that you are getting your work done in eight hours? And if you're, do you need an extra man? And if that's the case, do we need to add more costs to our to our bids? Um, there has to be, it has to get granular. And if you're not doing that, then you're not doing yourself any favors because you don't know the true cost of a job and you're pressing your, your employees to go out there and work their ass off um, needlessly. You're and almost you're pushing them to make shortcuts. You're making, pushing them to make shortcuts because they want to get the job done before the end of the day or the, or they don't want to you you put a mandate on no overtime so how are we going to get the work done in the day and that might be by not ventilating or not putting up safety barriers or barricades because it takes too much time and i just need to move from one point to another well this is something i think we can talk about for hours i'm very passionate about 
um, this exact subject. And I, I think that this is when you do engage your employees, right? They know what takes a long time. They know how long it takes to place cable or yeah, to splice fiber. And, you know, maybe you got to go and do some ride-alongs with them and understand what are the troubles? What are the barriers? How can I help, right? Um, what are the teams that they work with? The PMs, the PCs, maybe the customer. Maybe we all get together on a call and we start talking about, here are some of the barriers. This eight-hour job is taking everybody 10 hours and it's really hampering our quality. It's putting our safety on the line. You know, engaging your team and understanding what those barriers are is the first step, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And, um, you know, the, 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 the bad never outweighs the good when we're talking about cutting shortcuts. Um, all right. Never, uh, never cut a shortcut. Never, <laughs> with, not with scissors, never run with scissors. Um, <laughs> so kind of where we're going to wrap that up, um, you know, and we're going to get into, you know, some of the, you know, finer things of this podcast. And it's the best, it's the best, the best part of the podcast. <laughs> the best part. <laughs> um, I mean, no, I want to make sure that we're giving you guys much leadership and, and skills as well. As well. Um, so today, uh, we've got a really special drink for you. Um, you know, a, a one that I fancy. Um, established or created in 1870. I'm going to give you a little bit of history now with some of these cocktails because they are fantastic. 19th um, century. Yeah, we are going to hit you guys with a classic mohat, <laughs> mojito, <laughs> a classic Manhattan. Okay. Um, I got Clint here. He's going to make us a classic Manhattan. Yes, I am. Yes, sir. Um, popular history suggests that the drink originated at the Manhattan Club in New York in the mid-1870s. Um, invented by Ian Marshall for a banquet hosted by Jenny Jerome. And uh, Jenny Jerome, if you don't know history buffs, uh, is also known as Lady R Randolph Churchill, mother to Winston. Blow your mind, right? It was in an honor of presidential candidate Samuel J. Tilden. I wonder if she called him Winnie as a kid. Like Winnie. Winnie like, you know, the little cutie. Oh, like. maybe Winnie the Pooh was named after Winston Churchill. Oh, I do like Winston Churchill. Yeah, I like him. All right, so I got Clint here. He's going to tell you what we're putting in it. All right, so in general, you want to use a fine whiskey when you're making a Manhattan. Yes, I you prefer do. to use a, a straight Kentucky bourbon. Um, this bourbon I'm using tonight is called the Legend. Not mm. Legend with a D, but Legend with a T. Mm, I like it. Um, this has got a, a, a great history. I'm not going to bore you um, with all the details. It's um, caramel in color. Yeah, it's partially finished in a wine and cherry cask. Um, expertly distilled by a seventh generation master distiller, Fred No. And then refined by world-renowned chef blender Shinji Fukuyo. A legend's a marriage of East and West. It's a celebration of the craftsmanship of Kentucky bourbon, balanced with the art artistry of Japanese blending. So they've taken somebody that that blends Japanese whiskeys, which are delicious, by the yeah, way. Yeah. And yeah, and married it with uh, somebody that's from Kentucky that that's an expert uh, bourbon maker. So, um, anyway, super cool. Shout out to Jai G for uh, for getting this. 
for me for Christmas a couple yes, years sir, back. Yes, sure, she did it. And 47% alcohol by volume. Yeah, that's 94 proof. Yeah. Um, okay, so what you want to do with a Manhattan is you're going to use your whiskey. It's going to be a two-to-one ratio between your whiskey, which in our case is bourbon, uh, and your um, sweet vermouth, which we're using Martini Rosso, which is a classic uh, sweet vermouth. Uh, obviously not the same as the martini dry vermouth that you use in uh, in your classic martinis. So, yes, sir. Uh, the ratio is two to one. So we'll get started here. Okay, I'll, I'll walk you through it because we don't have the video cast yet, but we're going to add uh, four ounces. So two for him, two for me, because um, we, we do like uh, the drinks. He's pouring the second ounce um, over ice in a shaker glass. He's going to add his... Um, Two, sweet, two ounces sweet, of sweet vermouth. Yeah. The, the sweet vermouth. On top of the four ounces of bourbon. Here we go. Oh, yeah, that looks good. You're going to want to do... Darkness. The next ingredient, of course, is your bitters. Now, you're going to see a bunch of different bitters on the market. This one here is a pimento bitters. Uh, it's just something I had kicking around. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, Dale DeGroff's pimento. Yeah, so, there's tons of different... Um, Bitters out there now, maple bitters. Um, it, it adds a different texture, different flavor, a little bit of a, a spice to the, the drinks. Um, mostly it's infused with uh, botanicals and, and um, you know, just keep an eye on it because you don't want to add a high level of uh, sugar to, to your drinks. Yeah, and, and one thing I'll add here is the maraschino cherry in the Manhattan is classic. Um, a lot of people you'll see will actually serve it with a slice of orange, similar to the old fashioned. That we or a lemon last zest. Or a lemon yeah, zest. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I like it. I like it classic, which is the maraschino. The maraschinos I'm bringing in today are actually alcohol infused. So um, I think they've been infused with gin. So it just adds another a bit of um, depth to the flavor. Yeah, let's shake that up. Let's go. Okay. Mm. All right. All right. Shaking it like uh, you know Tom Cruise in cocktail. Just he's got a little bit less hair, but here we go. Oh, look at that! This almost looks like liquid gold. All right, there you are, all right. So the maraschino cherries in the drink glass. Yeah, and I threw a little bit of the maraschino cherry juice into the shaker as well. Just you know, almost like a dirty martini, but this is kind of like a dirty Manhattan. And uh, we're going to do a cheers. Yeah, a cheers. Hey, episode two in the books. Wawa Weewa. Yes, sir. That's dynamite. Dynamite. <laughs> All right. Dynamite. Napoleon. Um, well, this is uh, Jason Krause uh, signing off. Um, Top Shelf episode two. Hope you guys liked it. Uh, we're going to continue to produce, uh, whether you like it or not. Um, we're going to do this anytime we want because no one's paying us currently uh, to do this. And we're just doing it out of our kindness of our hearts. Shout outs to Legent Whiskey, Martini Rossi. Uh, we got some Moscow mules here and Coronas, but over to you, Clint. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, I just want to say thanks to G for supplying the spirits tonight. And um, yeah, go Canada. Hey, go Canada. Let's uh, beat the Croatians and uh, make it to the next round. Love you guys. Love you. <laughs>